This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hi, everyone. This is Amanda, and I'm here with my co-host, Rachel. And today, our guest is a little different than the guests that we've had in the past. Her name is Amanda Perdue, and she is currently a student at Central Connecticut State University, better known as CCSU. And she is the co-director of the Acabellas there. And she's also done a lot in building the community on that campus. So we wanted to talk to her and get a little bit of a younger perspective than some of our previous guests. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. So tell us a little bit about your yourself and your background in acapella. Sure. I've been at CCSU for about six years now, and I didn't really get into acapella until my junior year of college. So I entered a little bit later than the average college student. And I started out just because I needed an outlet for music because I hadn't done choir in a couple of years from high school. And I really enjoyed doing it. I was business manager for a little while. So I was able to like organize the group's gigs and business stuff, which is a really cool side of acapella that I enjoyed a lot. And then after that, I was secretary for my group, the acapellas. And then I also stepped up to the vice president of the entire acapella society at CCSU. So our acapella groups are a little bit different. We actually are technically all four groups are one club at CCSU. So it's kind of a nice big family. So just because you're in one group doesn't mean that you don't get to interact and hang out and do music with other people in other groups, which is really nice. I'm in an all-female group. So being able to see like the all-male groups and the co-ed group and how they work was really fun for me to see. Related to that was, do you know how it came to be that way, that everyone belongs sort of under the same umbrella group? So how it worked was the society was founded in 2005 by the founder of my group, the Acabellas, Megan Laporta-Sherry, and the founder of the all-male group, Devisi, Marcus Ruff. And they kind of just both really wanted to form their own groups. So one all-female, one all male. And over the years after that, they kind of just added in other acapella groups because they started together. They both had common interests. So Mm. I think it was actually easier for them to start the club as one as opposed to like trying to compete with one another. Cool. That's really neat. Yeah. So I wonder then, have you had a chance to see some of the like in your time there, what are some of the changes that you've seen happen across the different groups in the campus? There's actually been a lot because I've been here for a while now. So this is technically like my fifth year, I think, in acapella. And in the beginning, there was two all-male groups. There was no co-ed group when I first started. And then there was my female group and another all-female group. And over the years, we've seen a co-ed join. We've seen an all-male group get disbanded. And we've started doing more gigs together and on campus to get students more involved or just to engage students a little bit more to let them know that we exist. We started doing a charity concert, which was a passion project idea that the president before me came up with. And he kind of gave it to me my first year as vice president. And I kind of put it together and I ran it because he ended up competing that year and (laughs) wasn't able to attend his own benefit concert idea. And (laughs) I took the reins and it was my first big project and it was a lot of fun and I've enjoyed doing it ever since. So tell us a little bit about that. I've been to that event and it's really Mm -hmm. cool how the audience is very diverse and tell us a little bit about how you guys go about it as a fundraiser. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, though. I've done it for three years. This is actually going to be my first year not 
in charge. So it's going to be a little different for me. Every year, we basically pick a charity at the beginning of the school year. So right about now, we've already got our charity picked usually every year. And we get in contact with groups in the area. So we try to keep it as in Connecticut as best as possible. And then once we've kind of exhausted all of our resources in Connecticut, we start to reach out a little bit further outside of the state. And we get the charity involved. We have them attend the event and give a little bit of a synopsis and just a little speech to the audience about what they do. They usually have a booth set up so people can go and get involved. And then a little bit different than probably your average charity concert, I would say, is the fact that at 100% of the proceeds from the concert go to the charity. So we don't make any money off of this event. And every group from CCSU performs and showcases themselves, along with all of the local groups that we can get involved from the state. And usually we try to incorporate like some type of like headlining group. The second year we had Musée and last year we had Blacklight Vocals and this year I'm not sure who we're going to reach out to but we try to change it up a little bit every year so that we can kind of like reach out to a different audience but it's super family supported which is really nice because our families love seeing us perform and they love helping good causes it just it's such a different audience for us to sing and perform for which is really nice cool how do you go about preparing a set for an event like that since it it, it is kind of targeted but you have a sort of broader audience maybe than you would normally have. It's really tricky because we're not really entirely sure it works all the time. I am a PR major, so I've been testing out different tactics on how we can reach audiences better. The main thing we do is we reach out via social media and we make a Facebook event for it. We try to have the charity help us advertise it on their Facebook and all of their social media platforms. We usually try to get the school to send out like an email blast to all the students. And then most of it, from personal experience, most of it's been word of mouth. At least that's been the best way to get people involved and just spread from there. We usually have a committee of two members from each group at CCSU are on the committee plus the e-board of the entire society. And usually we have our student government association on campus because they co-sponsor the event for us. They also are involved in the planning process. So even non-acapella people are helping us plan and staff the event, which is really fun to do and work with other people. That's awesome. So I've been working with you for several years now, Amanda, and I have (laughs) to say that of all of the college students we work with for Clear Harmonies, you have been one of the most organized. So (laughs) I would love to tap into your brain and maybe have you give some advice for other leadership of other acapella groups at other schools, because I think there is a lot that they can learn from the way that you do things. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's really hard for me to stay organized because I have ADHD, so I have to be on top of the way I organize stuff more so than the average person, which is why I think I'm so particular. (laughs) I do go a little overboard. I color code everything in my planner. And when it comes to acapella stuff, I specifically as president and vice president of the society for the past three years, I always gave myself office hours. So we actually have the amazing opportunity to have an office actually in our student center just for us. We split it with the radio station because we're both music oriented. And I made sure to carve out one to two days in the week where I was in the office for a couple of hours so that not only I could sit there and plan stuff and work on what I needed to work on, but also to just make myself available to anybody in our club who needed help or wanted to talk about stuff or just like figure out what was going on and had questions and stuff. I'm way more hands-on probably than the average college student with organizing and planning and just in general acapella because it's 
kind of like a unhealthy obsession at times. <laughs> um, we don't know anything about that. <laughs> no, not at all. It's really hard to not let it take over my life because I love it so much. So the hardest part is not forgetting to take care of the normal life things like, you know, paying bills and going to class and, <laughs> and you know, talking to friends and keeping my relationship as healthy as possible. So totally. that's probably the hardest part is not over. <laughs> myself with acapella. That's awesome. Correct me if I'm wrong, but CCSU is mostly a commuter campus, yeah? Yeah. Uh, the schools kind of started to go in a direction where they advertise more for mm-hmm. on-campus. So they're really trying to change that. But yeah, definitely been a commuter school. So what kind of efforts have you had to make to get people not only involved in the acapella society and the groups, but also to come to your shows? Because they usually are pretty well attended. But I know if people are only coming for their classes and then leaving campus, it must be a little bit more difficult for you to convince them to stay. Yeah, Yeah, it is really hard. Actually, I've noticed that over the years, our acapella groups have become way more commuter involved, which Mm. is interesting because when I started out, there were quite a few of us that did either live on campus or in like a house or an apartment that they rented right across the street from campus. And just in general, turnout for auditions, because we do have four groups and we do try to make sure everyone advertises equally. It's gotten a little bit more difficult as the years go on. I auditioned in 2015, followed 2015. And I auditioned against 30 girls and only five of us made it in. Wow! And over the course of the last couple of years, the numbers have definitely dwindled. I think this year we had about, I want to say 15, maybe if we were lucky, audition for our group. And we were able to take on five. It was a rebuilding year. So it was a little bit harder for us, but we were aiming for like six or seven. Hmm. Um, so rebuilding years are a little bit, a little bit more pressure. <laughs> but getting people to stay is really hard hard because our our rehearsals are at night. And my group in particular is a little bit extreme. We do it for, you know, a reason, of course, a good reason. But we rehearse Sunday, Monday and Wednesday nights from 7, 730 to like 10 o'clock at night. And getting the space on campus is Mm. a challenge in and of itself. And then on top of that, like not stressing our members out by keeping them past 10 o'clock has been a huge challenge because we have so much we want to do and fitting it into one rehearsal three times a week is just kind of difficult. And you don't want to over overworking people is not really the best way to go about doing that. <laughs> so then do you have you must have to be like super judicious about your time and, and how you oh, spend yeah. it. Do, yeah. Do, does that require planning? Like extra oh, planning? Oh God, yeah, definitely. We had, I think it was maybe two years ago, our director at the time implemented a essentially just a Google calendar where we planned out our entire entire semester using the Google Calendar, when we would learn a song, when we would start choreo, when we would do a dress rehearsal, all that stuff. And we like blocked it off in our Google Calendar using our director's email. So it was like an acapella's email. And we shared the calendar with all the girls in the group. And since that's been started, I think that we've been a little bit better about how we how quick we are to learn music. And like when our gigs are is really nice because the girls can go into the Google Calendar and see like, okay, well, we have a gig coming up, you know, here's what we have to do to get ready for it. And this year has been especially hard because we're competing and we also do a concert every semester. So we learn roughly six to eight songs for our regular concert. And then this 
semester or this year, we're also competing. So we're learning a complete ICCA set on top of those songs. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So then what prompted you to add competition to the things that you guys are doing? Why now? Oh, man, I've always had my heart set on it. It's been something that I've always been super interested in doing because I've been, I'm the type of person where I, with acapella specifically, I love to do research and I love to watch videos and I love to find ways where we can be better and just grow. Yeah. Because I think when we get too comfortable, we stop pushing ourselves. And so competition for me has always kind of been in the back of my brain. And this year when I did get elected to be director, I was really fortunate to have a group of girls returning that also had their heart set on competing. Nice. And we've never done it before. So like there were obviously there was a lot of questions. I had some background research already kind of in my pocket. So I was able to do some extra digging and figure out how it worked. And we arranged it all and had it learned, started learning it this summer. So it was a, it was a lot of learning, but the girls really, really want to push themselves and grow as musicians. And I think that that's like all we could ask for. That's awesome. Yeah. Rachel always looks like she has something to ask. So I'm like waiting for her. <laughs> Sorry. No. <I'm... laughs> so what kind of, I know you're graduating soon. You're leaving soon. Mm. What kind of legacy do you want to leave at CCSU? And what are you doing to prepare the society? and the Acabellas to continue on after you're graduated? There's a lot because we've done so much in like this semester alone, we've made so many small little changes to make sure that like if people decide to continue doing, you know, certain things that we've implemented, we want to make it as easy as possible for people. So we implemented, well, as okay, so as president of the society, I implemented a binder for business managers. So each group has their own individual binder of how they spend their money, who they go to to spend the money and like, how things have to be processed in order to get things done. And that's something that we've always kind of struggled with. And the school isn't super quick to make things work for us. So we had to make sure that we were extremely on top of everything as far as business stuff goes, especially money. And each group having their little binder and like tracking what they spend and when they spend it essentially sets the next generation up for success. They can reference, okay, well, we did this in the past. How did we do it? What did the invoice look like? How much did it cost? (laughs) So like stuff like that. And then obviously, because I'm in one of the groups actively I'm super particular about making sure it's, you know, we stay on top of it. And I'm not president anymore. So like, I'm able to use my last year at CCSU to focus and be a little bit selfish with my group the way I've never been able to before, which is really nice. So that's definitely one of the biggest things I think we've done. As far as making sure things get to continue as easily as possible, specifically with leadership, I have always said like, okay, in the beginning of the school year, our e-board should be super observant of who is willing to take on responsibilities and who just in general has like a knack for leading and a a knack for teaching and stuff like that. And I mean, already this year, we've noticed that at least like three of the new girls that we took on have the potential to be a future e-board. And so making sure that we, you know, subtly here and there reach out and say, hey, like, are you interested in doing this? Or, oh, you know, maybe, you know, we can include you in, you can lead warmups one rehearsal or something and like letting people do and experiment and 
get their feet wet while we're still there to help them before we leave is the key thing for me personally, because I want to make sure that people don't have to reach out after I've left and like find me out of, you know, nowhere (laughs) in order to figure out how to do something. People always have such great intentions of like, yeah, I'll be around. You can just reach out to me. But (laughs) nobody really quite realizes that once you graduate from college, yeah, life is completely different on the other side. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, and that that leads me to a question is I wonder with acapella being so important to you as you graduate, do you have thoughts of an outlet for it after graduation? I definitely do. I don't think I could not do Mm. acapella after I leave after being disinvolved. Yeah, I work with one of my best friends and we do music and recording and arrangements. We specifically love doing acapella because we both have the acapella experience for it and reaching out and working with different types of clients. I think in general, music is probably going to stay in my life somehow, some way. Specifically catering toward acapella would be ideal for me. And then I've always said like in the back of my mind, like, okay, if I can find the right people Mm -hmm. and it's the right time, I would consider starting a group or joining a group group depending on depending on where I am and like how things play out I would love to do it but it's it's got to be something where it's like the right people and the right time because I don't want to just do it and force something you know and I love working on it and I'm super passionate and I want to make sure I find other people that are just as passionate as I am because I can get a little crazy and I don't want to scare anyone away so Not crazy it's passion it's passion yeah well yeah <laughs> <laughs> well Amanda thank you so much it's been so helpful and interesting to hear your perspective on on sort of continuing acapella and making a society where people are focused on preserving the tradition. So thank you so much for taking some time to speak with us. Of course. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. I really appreciated it. Of course. And uh, stick with us for next week when we have Sarah Yud on Vocal Perspective. So guess what, Amanda? What's that, Rachel? I have a milestone birthday coming up in February. Me too. Woo! My milestone, I'm going to share with you all. I am turning 45. And I am turning 40. (laughs) These are big numbers. And what I want to talk to you guys about today is age and and some of the challenges and I think some of the some of the good things that people are trying to do for people who have aged out of high school and college. <laughs> this is true. And even so, like at my age, I'm still actively performing, but I see a lot of people that drop out either because they feel like they've aged out and it's like a kid's hobby and they shouldn't be doing it anymore. They feel like an outsider because all of the other groups around them are 20 somethings, maybe 30 somethings or they just have too many responsibilities in their life. And in contemporary acapella now, you know, it's been around. It's been a very active thing since the 80s. So we're seeing people in their 50s and 60s now that contemporary acapella is a big part of their life. Yeah. And while they're technically welcome in competitions, are they actually welcomed? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I, I would like to just make maybe make a little bit of a caveat, which is I understand, I think we all do, that, you know, there is a there, there are seasons to life. And that yes. some seasons involve stepping back from maybe a passion and devoting some time to other things that take precedence. And that's, I think, not what we are talking about. <laughs> that, that True. Of course, you know, getting married, having kids and all these other sort of stereotypical life events yep. would necessarily have an impact on your ability sometimes to participate in your previous passions. And that I think that's not, for me anyway, what I, my point about what I wanted to 
to say right. about Right. That's this. a choice. But sometimes I think people actually do feel pushed out because they don't have a place in this mm. in, in the contemporary community. And where that became really obvious for me is when I started to take a step into the barbershop community where the older generations are actually celebrated and there is a place for them, not only in the general community, but they're highlighted. BHS has a midwinter convention where they have a seniors contest and it's only for seniors. Everyone has to be over 60 in the group. And I believe the average age has to be 65 or somewhere close to that for the whole quartet. And I think they also do choruses as well. And it's so cool because these men have been doing this for 40, 50, some of them 60 years. And this gives them a place on the big stage where they can feel like they're still a relevant part of the organization because they are. And I know in Harmony Inc. and Sweet Adelines, they're celebrating these women that have been in the organization for 50 years. And I don't quite see that happening in contemporary acapella. And Mm. I'm curious as to maybe your thoughts on how we can encourage that. I mean, I think that is definitely something that the organizations around the acapella community are working towards, maybe struggling with, but is definitely on their minds. We talked in a recent segment about the Aka Open, which is specifically designed for groups that aren't scholastic, that are, I mean, outside of the groups that have won the high school and collegiate competitions, which move on, that the rest of the competition tends to be geared towards post-collegiate groups and groups that are outside of that scholastic environment. Right. But you're, I mean, you did mention that, that they tend to be younger and they do. They Those groups often are in their 20s and 30s. Well, I have not seen many, or oh, maybe any groups with people in their 40s, 50s, 60s that are competing at that level. And I, I wonder if it is that they feel, Acapella, we've talked about this too, has taken sort of an angsty direction. And right. that that kind of music isn't necessarily what older folks are interested in performing or connect to. Right. That is not their moment in life, right? Their moment in in life tends to be, I think, more joyful and more, I don't know, retrospective or or, or reflectionary. Right. But they also, you know, in contemporary acapella, they grew up in contemporary acapella when we sang the fun, easy songs. Arrangements were a lot less complicated and we were all singing poppy. Yeah, (laughs) joyful 80s pop and 60s and 70s. And it was just Mm -hmm. a lot about songs that made you feel good yeah and the landscape has definitely changed but you know here in dc we do have the tone rangers that are going on 30 years almost and they have a lot of the same original members and that age group kind of just stays the same yeah but i i don't see many other groups like them yeah well so listeners maybe you have some ideas why do you think that we don't see as many groups of a certain age performing contemporary acapella that that they migrate in some ways it feels like to barbara shop into that sort of genre, that implementation of acapella music. Yeah, get in touch with us. You can do that on all of our socials, on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, on Twitter at Acaville Radio, or you can email us at onair at acaville.org. And I'll send you a nice little email back with a thank you. And that wraps up this week's episode of Vocal Perspective. Another huge thank you to Amanda Perdue for coming on the show today and giving us a great perspective of what's next in acapella and how to best help your college's acapella community succeed. Next week, we'll be here with Sarah Yud, who is the senior producer for Varsity Vocals. She produces all of the finals, including ICHSA, ICCA, and the ACA Open. And she has lots of great things to share about that organization and her experience in 
Boston a cappella. We do hope that the issues that Rachel and I discuss at the end of each show are giving you something to think about. We'd always like to include more of your thoughts on the show, so if you have an issue you'd like us to discuss or you'd like to come on and discuss it with us, please email us at onair at and we'd love to have you on the show. See you next Tuesday.